0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Glorious day. It's beautiful, isn't it? And it's, an, it's just beautiful when we get together when we can, uh, you know, just uh, study the Word together. So, with that being said, if you would please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. We are at verse 31. We will look at... Uh, We'll look at two parables this morning. and uh, Matthew chapter 13. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of the seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs. It becometh a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Another parable spake he unto them. The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid three measures of meal till the whole was leaven. Let's just read down to verse 36. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables and without parables... Speak ye not unto them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundations of the world. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. His disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the fields. And we had looked at that last week. Would you be kind enough just to stand with me once more and... Bible in hand, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray, Father, as as your word is being taught, that there would be um, no distractions, that our hearts would be open, our minds, our spirits. So be open, Lord, to what you want to say to us collectively as a church. Our desire too, Lord, is that you would speak to us individually as a son or a daughter of God. I guess what I'm saying, Lord, is when we leave here, this place this afternoon, we won't be the same as when we came in. Lord, we know that every word, every sentence, every verse was penned out by the holy men of old. As they were anointed, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. So we don't take this time for granted. We don't take it lightly. Please, Holy Spirit, come. Be our chief instructor here this morning. We love you, Lord, and we love this book. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said together, amen, amen. Amen. Thank you. I was trying to convey the beginning of the first uh, service, the importance of these parables. Seven parables are called the kingdom parables. And um, I think many of us are guilty of just reading a parable, going through it real quickly and just thinking we know what it says, what it means, and, and we'll move on. Um, there is so much meat in these parables that literally you could just spend weeks on weeks studying charting looking at the greek words you know the meaning of words The the word picture you know which is really what a parable is a parable is um a story that these people would be well familiar with the imagery they wouldn't have any Second guessing, or they they would know they understood when he talked about the parable of the sower man, they had in their mind exactly what Jesus was talking about. You and I, maybe not so, we think of farming uh, in light of machinery and big open fields and barns and storages and you know that kind of thing. But in their day, it was little tiny plots of ground that would be scattered out with paths that we go in and out. And when he said there went a sower to sow seed, they understood that this is a man that would have an apron on and would hold the apron up with all the seeds. And when he would cast the seed out, he would spread it abroad, broadcasting the seed, which means the seed would just go everywhere. Some fell on the wayside, some fell on. Stony ground, some stel, so, uh, was sown on thorn, with thorns and thistles, some was sown on good ground. See, so, yeah, they had no, they didn't even have to, you know, think about it. They had, uh, but you know, he says, listen, the reason why I'm giving you these parables is because for some it will be something that will reveal a truth and to others it will conceal a truth. These parables that revealed the truth were to the disciples. They had a willingness. They wanted to know truth. They they just had a mind and a heart where they just wanted to know the things about the kingdom of God. But for those that had a closed mind, they were following Jesus and they were just trying to trip him up. They were trying to do him harm. These parables would only conceal it more. And that was the reason he taught. And that, that, that quote was taken out of Isaiah, by the way. So a parable, the parablottis or paraboloi is a Greek word where um, it's a story that's being cast down alongside of a spiritual truth. That's what it means, to come alongside, to throw it down so that these people would understand. But understand what? Now, this is important, to understand the kingdom of God. Now, most people, if you would mention the kingdom of God, they would think of heaven, at least those outside the church would. They would think, well, the kingdom of heaven is heaven, right? The kingdom of God is where God is, his throne and all. But no, that's not it at all. See, when Jesus mentions the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Christ or the kingdom in general, he's talking about the sphere in which God is active and, and, and where he has dominion. So when we, well, like last yesterday the, at the baptism, I, you know, I always say, man, that was the best baptism we've ever had. You know, I say that every year. I just, and I don't they're probably all the same. But, but what makes it so special and so real and I, I get so tripped up, spirit not tripped up, but I get emotional with baptism is because I know that God is at work. God is doing something. To see, to see a child look, uh, experience a child looking right in your eyes, and you know they they get it. They know they're representing death, burial, resurrection, outward expression of something that's happened in that little heart, and they're saying, "Pastor Harry, I just want to be baptized and forget about it. I lose it. You know. I, I, hopefully, I don't forget to bring them up out of the water. You know. And but that's the kingdom at work, guys. That's the kingdom is where God where God has dominion, really." He has dominion this morning in your hearts, in my hearts, if you if if you let him. He's here, right? Wherever two or three are gathered, right? And if he's here and he has dominion, then behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. So when he said, hey, the kingdom of heaven is, and he tells a parable, it's similar to this. There's some real deep spiritual things that are happening here. And it is so important, church, that you understand. You know, you know. I, I kind of got the parable of the sower, I guess, all the years I've taught that power, parable, you know. And uh, I'm not going to ever tell you that it gets old. But it's, uh, you know, I kind of have that one. But th- today, this parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven, God just opened my eyes to so many different things. Collectively as a church body, an individual, as a son or a daughter of God, which hopefully you are today, you know. But if you look at that again, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man Took. Now, remember, again, I mentioned this a, a week ago that there is this interpret or this rule of interpretation called expositional constancy or contingency. It literally means wherever you see a word being used over and over and over constantly and it's got the same meaning, then that is the rule. You don't try to change that. You can't. That's bad uh, Bible interpretation. Um, Wherever you see Jesus, take a word and he will explain it. The man is the son of man who casts sand. So we can assume this seed is coming from the son of man. The field that's mentioned in this. We can assume because Jesus interpreted it already. That this is the world. That the seed is cast into the world. And then when we think about the least of these things. Now, this is where you and I. We need to kind of dig deeper. And I want to show you a small little clip. To show you How small a mustard seed is. Can you guys show that real quickly? It's only about a minute and a half. Notice how tall the tree is too. Look how small those seeds are. amazing how small that thing is this is probably a sick illustration I had a deer tick walking on my desk yesterday so I got him with white out right watched him suffer but the, the, the mustard seed is smaller than even that like if you were just to get a white piece of paper and put one seed you would really have to strain so small now why am I telling you this I know you have heard it. I have heard it. Individuals, brothers and sisters in Christ saying, I just don't have enough faith to handle that. See, that is such a lie from the kingdom of darkness. That is an evil influence, by the way. Because all it takes is just just the faith, the size of a mustard seed. See, what happens is we focus on the evil influences or we focus on the lie rather than to focus on God's truth that all you need as a Christian is just a little bit of faith, focus on Jesus and see what he can do with that faith. If I had just a little bit of faith, I could look at a mountain and say, mountain be gone and be removed to the sea. There's something so powerful with, with a believer when they know that it's not how Big the faith is, just that we have faith. Amen. Now, there's a few things at the beginning of this uh, this parable that I want to bring to to your attention. In verse 32, we read, "Indeed, it is the least of all seeds." Now, that word "least" can be also translated "least of rank" or "of influence." Now, now I'm not saying that's the way the church looks at that seed. Because you and I just kind of had a a glimpse of what Jesus was talking about. Talk about rank and influence. That little seed produced a lot of that. But in the world's eyes, the world's opinion of Christianity, it's of, of, of little insignificance. The church is meaningless in the world's eyes. What Jesus is saying, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's similar to... That tiny little seed that once it's planted, it grows into something almost phenomenal. It's almost, and I'm not saying this in a negative sense, but it is of a a natural, you know, growth. To see that tiny little seed, you would think, oh my goodness, it's going to be able to plant that big. See, some of those trees can even reach up to 10 feet tall. That's why I wanted to bring it to you. Notice how tall that tree is. In fact, literally, the Greek indicates it's not a tree at all. In fact, when it says that it's the greatest among the herbs, it means it's the greatest among the garden plants. It's considered a bush. So the kingdom of heaven is like that. Now listen, gang. I want you to kind of just stay with me. You know, we, we can look at this thing where the kingdom of heaven could be interpreted that God sowed the seed, right? The gospel, the church was birthed out of it. So in a sense, we look at the whole picture of Christendom across the board. Of course, starting at the cross and the, you know, the Holy Spirit being sent it. And from uh, just 120 believers, look what it grew into. And you talk about something that's just so... Influenced and so significant today. You can interpret that that way. Or you could just look at an individual church like, like ours. I, I mean, in fact, I looked at a, a little clip that someone sent me just the other day, and it was a, a snapbook pictures of our church from way back when we met in this little church. It was called uh, a school building, rather, Delaware Valley Junior Ac- Academy. We started off in this tiny little room with like around 25 people, just 25 people. And I'm looking at it, I'm seeing some people that are still here, some people that aren't. And I'm thinking, my goodness, we were so small. And then I started to think about Now, look at us today. You know, we're not a mega church, you know. Uh, and we're not here. And I, I like this size, by the way, because I know everybody. I don't know everybody's names. I mean, I, I'm an old burnout. I mean, I'm never going to remember your name. So if I keep calling you brother, don't be offended, you know. But look what we've grown to. Maybe the world thinks we're insignificant. Maybe the world thinks we'll, we'll never amount, amount to anything. But according to the kingdom of heaven, it is like we started out as a little tiny grain of a little mustard seed. And look where we're at today presently. Look at Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia. When Irma and I went out to Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia in 1982, there was 50 of us sitting in Arthur's Catering Hall. There's 10,000 people now. That's phenomenal, isn't it? That? that is the kingdom of God. That's how God... So no wonder God is going to begin to warn us, right? Through these parables and he's going to say, watch out. The kingdom of heaven is like a sower. He went out to sow seed and some of the seed fell among the wayside. Some of it fell on stony areas. Some of it fell among thorns and some of it fell on good... He said, watch out for that. Now, if you've got ears to hear, hear. So if you're going, okay, no, I understand that. My heart can become hard. I can allow a lot of rocks in my heart. I can get some weeds in there once in a while. See, you're hearing, and that is the kingdom of heaven. He has dominion in your hearts and in your lives. Amen, guys? But it might be considered the least of all the seeds, but my goodness, it will have an influence in the world the seed is going to have an influence in our church. And by the way, the influence is you're going to have an influence even in your own personal lives. And that's why we need to take heed to what's being taught here. Listen, um, the, the, the seed, let's, let's think about this as it relates to the church. You know, the seed is sown. It brings about a growing fellowship, as I alluded to just a minute ago. It's a church that is thriving, it's filled with joy, it's filled with activity. Um, you think about it; it, it has a an, an urgency almost that it wants to go into all the world. You know, and I look at our church. You know, where we've come from, and now we have what two or three mission trips now, where we're going across the pond. Now we're taking the word, the, the word, the seed into other parts of the world. We're doing things right here. We've got a ministry now in Camden, where it looks like we're starting a church in there. It's, something's happening, and it's a vibrant and a healthy church, is what I see here. And it all. Starts with just a handful of of body of believers that started out with a good foundation and there was pastors and elders that just would not let evil influence dictate to where the church went. Does that make sense? And that's that's why we're here today. But I want to also say it it can be related to us individually. It's someone who hears the gospel, right? The seed. They hear the word. Then they open their hearts, they open their their minds, they open their lives to the Holy Spirit of God. And things start to happen, you know, they become born again. There's an excitement in their hearts, you know, their character is being changed almost every day. They're experiencing the fruits of the Spirit in a supernatural way. They're not trying to make it grow. It's growing naturally. And it all started from just that tiny little, little tiny seed of faith. Just that. That's all you need. If you allow the kingdom of God, the dominion of Christ to rule and reign in your heart. But listen, guys, I would love to say that's the end of the story. But whenever that happens... Where you see Christendom growing at an un- abnormal rate, as it were, where you see individual churches beginning, starting small and then growing to ten thousand and even more, and they're trying, they're keeping themselves pure and away from evil influence. You know that the birds of the air are going to come, and that's exactly what this parable is saying. With that kind of growth, the birds of the air. And again, I have already said expositional. Cons- of me, consistency, that rule where if Jesus interprets that, then we leave it alone. Amen. So when we see the birds of the air, we're talking about an evil influence. Now, listen, let me have your attention. And most of you know this already, but it's kind of a good reminder. There are two kingdoms presently today. There's a kingdom of darkness. There is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. A lot of us know that. Now, if the kingdom of darkness would just stay in its own place, I'd be okay. But it doesn't. The kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of evil influence creeps its way right into the church. And you... Maybe that's one of them. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but you have that, you know, that picture in your mind now that this evil influence now is going to come within this abnormal growth. And, uh, and you just, you know what? Think about it, guys, just for a second. You know, um, it tries to find, they come in, that word to come in literally means from one place to another. So the birds are coming in. But when you really do a search, whether it's strong or we or thayers, it literally means they come in, but they come in with an influence. They're not just coming into the church, the demonic darkness. They don't come in just to find a place to hang out. That what they literally want to do is they want to influence that which God is growing. They want to influence the kingdom of heaven. They want to impact it. They want to impart their ideologies or philosophies. And if you would please, if you could circle the word lodge there is another very interesting word. It does mean to pitch one's tent. To fix one's abode. But again, when we follow that word, and if you do a strong study, you follow the root word of that. It literally means the reason they're doing that is they want to haunt it. I mean, haunt it. They want to hang out. They want to trouble it. They want to bother it. So the, so these literal influences from the kingdom of darkness, they come in to do that very, very thing. That's why it says in the where it says, so that the birds of the air come. That word so literally means the reason why they're doing it. They're coming in. They're coming in to influence it. They're coming in to influence. They're just going to haunt it and haunt it and haunt it. And I'll talk to you in a second about how they do that. Now, who, who? if you look at it, they're looking for branches. They're look, that word branch literally means the tender shoot. It is that branch. Now, listen, it's that branch that they, the farmer can cut off, kind of widow off the end of it, and then graft it into another tree, and it'll take root. It'll take life. They can be grafted in. Paul used the same illustration with the church, the Gentiles, that we have been grafted in. So, these evil influences, the one who wants to haunt what God is growing at an abnormal rate, it's growing, they want to bring in their influence to haunt it, but they're looking for a certain place. They're not just going, hey, I'm just going to go. They're looking for the tender branches that God can use. Isn't that amazing? You've got to remember something the enemy. The evil influences. They're always going to notice the strong church. They're going to notice that. They're going to notice that church that's very effective. They're going to notice the believer. The individual that's just allowed the dominion of Christ to rule and reign in his heart, her heart. When they see that. They're going to try to come in and influence your life. And they're going to try to come in and influence the church. They see things like integrity. That's the first. They look for a church with, full of integrity. They look for a church that's full of honesty. They're not. Listen. I don't think they're that disturbed about the churches that are extorting money. And making mockery of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I think they say, why bother? The rest of the world knows they're whacked. No, they're looking for the church that's grounded and solid and growing on the word of God. They're looking for a church that's willing to pick up and pack up everything and go off to, to Houston because of the troubles there and Puerto Rico and getting down into Mexico and Nepal and trying to spread that tiny little seed to see more growth. That's where they want to build their nest. That's where they want to have the influence. That's where they're going to haunt that church. you think about it's because of the, the work, how vital, how powerful it is, how energetic. You see, a church that's energized by the Spirit of God, a church that's just not coming together on a Sunday and then blasting off her home or they're, they're, they want to they want to experience what God is doing within the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like this is you and I folks. That's why this is so important to understand what he's saying here. So we can be al- alerted to it now like the tears, right? Hey, do you want us to tear those tears out? We'll root them right up. No, you can't do that. The roots are in their You pull up the tears, you're the wheat. just leave them alone. There's nothing we can do about these nests. Other than as your pastor, I can warn you. I can warn you that when you become lethargic and Christianity is mundane and you could care less if you get out to church or not or go to a Bible study or open your Bible, it could be that evil influence that somehow got into your life, it's perched on a very very important place with you and Jesus and now it is sowing that it's haunting you. The reasons why the enemy wants to come and, and lodge in the church and, and in our lives personally. And there's, a, there's several of them. And I'm thinking if you sat with your Bible and just thought, why would the enemy want to do this? You could come up with your list. You really could. But maybe some of, some of these reasons will trigger something in your mind and go, yeah, that's me right now, Har. Huh? You think that one of the reasons is he just wants to destroy the witness of the church. He just wants to take the church out where it's not an influence at all. The, he wants the world to think they're right, that where there's no rank, there's no influence. So he does that. He also wants to cause the, the church just to be compromised. He wants us to go ahead and just compromise, flirt around with the ways of the world and the, and the darkness of or kingdom of darkness. And that's, that's one of the reasons he attacks it. But I think some of the most damaging, some of the most um, destructive reason, number one is he wants, he wants to dilute the message of sin. He wants just to, He wants the church not to look at sin for what it is. To whitewash it, as it were, to sugarcoat it. And, you know, it's amazing. Uh, someone sent me a teaching the other day and, uh, and he asked me, please, Harry, listen to the whole thing. Get back to me. Right. I thought I was going to be blessed with this dynamic teaching. So I'm in my office the other day and I got it on. And the speaker was, I mean, he, he should get a oratory skills. This gentleman possessed was all well, over the top. I mean, he, could, he, he had me glued to his message. And, and you talk about illustrations and the way he walked the stage and the way he, just, he could talk to you. And I'm listening to this whole thing. And then at the end of it, when he, when he said goodbye to everyone, I sat back and I thought, not one mention of sin. Not one. And then I rewind and I not one mention of Jesus. Not one mention of the cross. See, the evil influence lodged in this brother's heart, in his ministry, and has diluted the message, the doctrine, our theology, death, burial, resurrection, no meaning. You see how the enemy comes in and he dilutes the word of God. Let me tell you something. You might not realize this, but we are today, we are today a remnant. Not too many people want to be told they are sinners. And if they don't get saved, they're going to hell. That is not a popular message. But how do you just pick and choose? So it dilutes it. When you dilute something, you thin it out, right? You water it down. But you know what you do? You make it useless. The Bible becomes useless. You and I, we take, we take this right here. I love, he did it the first time. Uh, uh, Santa held up his Bible. You know, I love this book, man, you know. And I love reading it. But if I'm, if I'm reading something and it's sweet and I'm eating it and all of a sudden it becomes bitter. As, 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 uh, as Ezekiel said, I don't put it aside and forget about it. I go, Lord, what are you trying to do with me? Right, guys? Jeremiah said, it's not my, my word as a hammer breaking up the rocks in pieces. You know, how do we live as a Christian without the full totality, inerrancy, word of God? How do we just pick and choose, right? How do we re- re-paraphrase? Is it take the deity away from Jesus Christ or has His us on earth and, and during the, the, the tribulation? I know I'm off track a little bit, but that's how important the word of God is and should be and when the evil influences come into a church body or Christian and whole and we see that at a rapid rate right now or an individual's life when we see that at the kingdom of darkness not the kingdom of heaven make sense church you know what happens when he does that When the word becomes diluted and when we lose our witness and it is so damaging, but he does it in such a subtle way. You don't even know what's happening. I'll explain that in a minute. When, it, when they came into the church there, I'll explain how subtle it is. But you know what happens? When this happens to a church body or it happens to us individually. Li- listen, Christian. The, f- the first thing, it just disintegrates our faith. It weakens our faith. We, we doubt God's truth. We start to doubt His word. We don't take our problems, our cares, our anxieties to Christ. We, we internalize them, or we go and we try to find, find external help. See, that's the evil influence, you know. And I wonder sometimes, just sometimes, not all the times, cannot be dogmatic, but some of the thoughts, the teachings, that, you know, go get counsel. Now, I know that's necessary sometimes in the lives of people to get help, but what can a, what can a counselor do? that Jesus can't do or the word can't do. If you just sit along alone with him in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like you have this Christ in your heart. He has full dominion. He has full authority. You sit there and he can speak. Listen, he speaks to you. He does. How many can say honestly, I do hear the Lord's voice, right? I do. I tell him, he'll tell me once in a while, well, the reason, Harry, you're, you're being this way is because, and then he'll tell me, convicts me. And I can get it before the cross and, get, and be cleansed by his blood. I don't, I don't need to run the Joe every weekend. It, it disintegrates our faith. The second thing it does, it breaks up our fellowship. This is why so many churches just split over the craziest... Now, I think some churches need to split. I am be quite honest with you, you know. But over silly things and petty things and over stupid ideologies and doctrines and stuff like that. Listen, we have always said here at Calvary Chapel of South Jersey, let's just agree to disagree. It's okay. We're pantheologists. When we get to heaven, it'll all pan out. It doesn't matter. What matters is unity. Know you're my disciples by the love that you have one for another. I don't expect everybody to agree with me all the time. But what happens with these evil influences? They come in, and before you know it, they're fighting with each other. There's no unity. There's no there's no accountability with each other. The third thing, it just it just it corrupts. It just corrupts a believer. In such a subtle way before, maybe 10 years ago when you got saved, God delivered you out of all this crud and muck and mire. And now 10 years later, you're beginning just to compromise with it again. And you're flirting with it again. And before you know it, you're just corrupted, man. The birds of the air, the birds, the fowls, they came in. And they just looked for your tender spot they looked for the place where god wanted to use and they lodged a nest there and began to haunt you with their influence you know the word branch there caldos o d that's where we get the, the about it, it is that branch that is grafted in. And let me tell you something, guys. The enemy goes right after that believer who has all these promising gifts. And, and listen, the reason I bring that up to you again, it almost sounds like I'm just harping on an idea here. And I am. have been doing this for close to 30 years now. And I have seen it. And I don't think it's done purposely, but I think it's an evil influence. Where I have heard kids in junior senior high say to their junior senior high pastor I I think I want to do what pastor Hare does I think I want to be used I want to be in the ministry and instead of encouraging them in that direction and influence them in that direction no you don't want to do that you you, you you want to go get your degree first you want to go get a trade first You want to go and do explore, get out there and explore. And here you got, you've got this kid who just wants to be used by the Lord, but evil influence. And I don't know if it's done intentionally or not, but they they're diverted a different direction. Paul the apostle encouraged Timothy when he said, "Don't don't let any man despise your youth. Don't let them distract you." Not only are young believers uh, targeted, but so are mature believers. And I don't know why. For some reason, they have become distracted in their spiritual walk. They become unfocused. Maybe they're preoccupied. But somehow, they have been diverted away from what they know. Their calling, their sensitivity of the Holy Spirit, their prayer life, and somehow an, an influence came into their lives, and now they're no longer doing the warnings there. I want to tell you something there's three ways we can examine our hearts. Well, should we do that here? Well, Paul the Apostle, 2 Corinthians 3, 5, he says this. He says, examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith. Literally, examine, test yourself. See, is everything still okay? You know, I know it sounds silly, gang, but every now and then I got my little test going on in my heart of hearts. And I got just two boxes, yes or no. <laughs> you know, one of the questions that I, I thought of, am I still producing fruit? Or have I turned, uh, returned to my old attitudes and my old habits? Am I still producing fruit? Meaning, is fruit still growing? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, you know, f- faith, me, temperance, me, all that. Is it still growing or has that stopped? You can check yes or no. How about this one? Do you still share the gospel message? Is that still important to you? I don't know what your, your conversion was like. My goodness, I did. I came out of darkness and I was put into light. I had, I had nothing but dope and that kind of And I went right into hope. I didn't have a dad and now I have a heavenly father. My life was turned upside down, man. One night, September, one forty five in the morning. I couldn't shut up about Jesus. I went into my school. I had a family Bible. I had to tell everybody about Jesus. My ministry was to drive around in a 54 Ford pickup truck. And just whoever was thumbing it that night. I would pick up and just talk to them about Jesus. Jesus. So I had to ask myself. Do I still have that drive? Do I still have that hunger and that passion for lost souls? Or has evil influence somehow got into my life? And so that's not important anymore. The third thing, do can I honestly say that I have an effect on a lost and dying world? Because Jesus said, I want you to be salt and I want you to be light. Salt is a preservative. If somehow in my life, individually, am I a preservative to my relationship with my mate? Am I a preservative with my kids? Am I a preservative in this church? Let's spread it out a little bit. My community. Is the church still salt? And if you, you know, we look at the church today. you You wonder if it's salt, if it has an influence anymore. You look at the church and you see that it's going away from that Christendom individual churches can I pridefully say I think we are not just a we're a salt block one of those licking ones you know (laughs) Lot's wife you know (laughs) never mind we are salt I believe that with all my with all my heart and I still believe today Calvary Chapel South Jersey is a light unto this world that we can honestly say, family, let your lights so shine before men that they might see your good works glorify your father, which is in heaven. Hello, Calvary Chapel, South Jersey. And for the pastors, the elders, the teachers, the mature brothers and sisters, we're going to keep it that way. It's not going to be a popularity contest. We don't want bigger, better. We want deeper, Stronger. You've got to remember, and I'm going to have to wrap it up pretty soon, but you have to remember the whole idea about the pastors and the elders and, and deacons and um, older brothers and sisters in the Lord, you know. According to Hebrews chapter 13, it's fresh in my mind. We just finished that last Wednesday. They were given four-year benefit. They were given so that you could follow their example. You should be able to. They were given for the exhortation, you know, to, to, to sharpen up your skills and, the, and to help you in your walk. That's why they were given to the church. So if the pastor's sick spiritually, the church will be sick spiritually. You know, I I, I want to finish out this morning, though, with the... The, the, the kingdom of God is like leaven. Because I think it does tie into this somewhat. You see in verse 33 where it says another parable. He spake, uh, he spake unto them, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. A woman took and hid three measures of meal until the whole was leaven." And again, the parable, that familiar story, they understood exactly what Jesus was alluding to or, or what he was talking to you. And I don't, think, I don't think we do too much of that. Maybe if you're kind of one of those gals that like to cook your own bread and all. You understand the whole process with yeast and leaven and how it just permeates through the whole thing we get. In fact, even Paul uses this as an illustration. But I want you to notice, though, that this woman who had these three measures of meal, what did she do with it? She hid. You know, a lot of times we don't see these little words. She, she took something, she hid it in these three measures of meal. And now you think, why would she hide it? Well, when we read the Old Testament along with the New Testament and again, expositional consistency and you get the definition of that in the old as well as the new leaven is always used as this type of evil or evil influence or sin. Paul dealt with that. Don't let a little leaven in because it's going to leaven the whole lump. You got to deal with the church, get this guy out of the church. And then he dealt with that, you know, but she hit it. Now, if I could just paint this picture for you, you you see the three measures of meal there? See, every good Jewish male or Jewish woman and child would understand what he's talking about is is the meal offering. Way back in Leviticus, there was this, this offering where someone would come and it's just three tiny measures of it, but she, they would come in and they would present it to the priest. The priest would do his thing with it and then you would give some to God and then some would come back to you. It was a meal offering. Why would on earth with a woman that something that's sacred, meaning outside of something, inside God's covenant, why would she want to hide something in there that has evil influence or maybe sin? Why would she do that? Because we know the results of leaven. It'll affect the whole thing. I, uh, this this three measures of meal, what, what does that represent? You know, so here I come. I have my three measures of meal, and I'm ready to present it in my heart as a good Jewish male doing this this meal offering. I know it, it has three things. It means fellowship with God. I'm coming to have fellowship with God. It means hospitality in God. And the reason why I say hospitality in God, because when you get there and the priest is the mediator, this thing is between you and God. You give some to God and then God gives some back to you. There's a sense of warmness, of warmness with this offering. There's a, there's a sense of openness between you and God. It's hospitality. And then it also means dedication to God. Dedication to God. See, what happens? Listen, this is, this is important. What happens? I, I'm in love with God. And I, I just want to show God, look, all the chips are in with me, God. I want to just be totally consecrated to you. Now, you could come with a meal offering, but that is not the offering of consecration. The offering of consecration is the burnt offering. And that's where you bring this huge ox. You bring it. You bring it up to the priest. They, they slaughter the beast. There's the offering. There's a way they had to slice and dice the thing. You never got anything back in return, though. Not, a, nothing. But you are showing God, amen. I am so consecrated, I am so... Now, where the warmth and where the dedication comes in, where the connection of fellowship comes in, is the following offering, which is the meal offering, and here you come. Why? See, the kingdom of heaven is like a woman who wants to be dedicated to God. She wants that kind of a relationship, but she keeps hiding sin in her life. Whatever that is. What kind of sin could it be? Lust of the the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Lust of the eyes, everything I see, I want. I know, God, you don't want me to have it, but I keep looking at the lust of the flesh. Oh, God, you know, you start. And then the pride of life, you're going to go off and do it anyway. And what you're doing is you're hiding three measures. I'm sorry, you're hiding yeast in three measures of meal, which should have been your meal offering in your Offering of consecration, you know, um, Santos, if you'll make your way back up here, this is what this is why I think she hid this in there. Well n- maybe, no, this is why she shouldn't have hid it in there. There's three things that it does. It, you, you think about yeast, you think about leaven, it disintegrates, right? It breaks up, and then it corrupts, literally. If you think what yeast does with a, a batch of dough in order to get it to puff up. I think it disintegrates faith, it breaks up fellowship, and it also corrupts the believer. That's why I thank God for John, First John, where Jesus says, if you have these issues in your life and you want to deal with them properly, correctly, you want to deal with them scripturally, then come before the Lord, confess your sin before Him. He is faithful and just to do what, guys? To forgive. You're not hiding anything. You're just laying it out for Him to cleanse you and wash you. Here. Let me close with this. The three questions. Something we can pray about together individually maybe after this the, the service you can find someone the prayer team and just come up here's the three question am i still producing fruit am i still producing fruit and i mean you know fruit grows right fruit should be harvest i mean it's not one and done i got saved in 1973 am i still producing fruit is there joy in my life And if I can honestly answer that question in my heart, I go, no, there isn't. Then I know that I need to make an offering of consecration and a meal offering without hiding the sin. Amen. Second question. Do I still share the gospel like I used to? Does it it matter? And this is where my heart breaks sometimes for your past personally. There was a time where the Holy Spirit, it wouldn't matter if I was on pico going over the bridge, if he laid on my heart that someone needed to hear the gospel, there was nothing caught stopping me. I remember sitting next to this young girl. I walked up to her and the Lord said, share the gospel. I went over there and I said, hey, you want to hear about Jesus? She goes, no. I said, well, you're going to hear anyway. But do I still have that drive, that passion for lost souls? Do I care? Do you care? That neighbor the loved one the relative your aunt your uncle whoever that is. Because if you say no I don't anymore then evil influence got into that tree man. And there was something hid in that meal offering if you don't care. Now I say it sounds pretty negative. But my guts tell me today most of us do care. And it's something for us to pray about. Number three, do I still think I have an effect, a godly effect, on my community, on my church, my family? If not, then somehow the birds got in there. You know where it says there, um, 32, where it says, and they came in thereof? That word thereof literally means they blew in. They just blew in. You don't even know how they got there, but these evil evil influences blew in and it just began to influence us. And next thing you know, we're looking around at some of the most tender branches and we're thinking, how did that nest get there? Let's stand together. That's three verses, man. That's two parables, three verses. And you see how we can just camp out there? You know, one of the things that I think is so cool with our church is I I think this is such a real church. I really do. I just love how real you guys are. Man, you'll tell me when you're struggling. You'll tell me when you're on the mountaintops. Man, you'll tell me. I have guys come pray for me. Man, I'm fighting with my wife. I don't know what's wrong with me, you know. And it's such a real church. That's the kingdom of heaven, being real. Hypocrisy isn't. I'm just asking you this morning to be real. And to really ask yourselves those questions. And if you do need prayer, I'm challenging you not to just run home, to find someone to pray with. We can't do well today, all right? I want this to be a time where you can just reflect. He's got a beautiful song to kind of end us out on. And we're just going to let the Holy Spirit talk to us. Amen, guys? Would you pray with me that our church will stay real? Right? We can't get the, the birds out. They're going to be here. can't tear out the tares. But for the rest of you, make your way down here. Let's pray together. Love you guys so much.